0: John chapter 14, verse 13. And remember the context here. This is the upper room. They have just finished the Passover meal. They have just finished instituting the Lord's Supper. And now Jesus begins to teach them. He goes into a long discourse, which is John chapters 14, all the way through the end of 17. And, and uh, this, portion, this portion in John chapter 14 is uh, uh, said in the upper room. So he's still in the upper room teaching. Verse 13. What you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will live also in that day. You will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. And who has my he who has my commandments and keeps them, is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not as said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the words which which you hear is not mine, but the fathers, but the fathers who sent me these things. I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Okay, so, what I want to focus on today is the Holy Spirit. We're going to come back next week, and we're going to talk about, or or in in a couple of weeks, and we're going to talk about uh, this portion where he said, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So, we'll cover that at another point in time, because I'm going to couple that into a more expansive part of that that he says in John chapter 15. But what I want to focus on is the Holy Spirit, and this is starting in verse 16, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him, because He abides with you, and will be in you. So He says the Spirit abides with you, but now He's going to be in you. If you look in the Old Testament... There were people filled with the Spirit. They could receive the Spirit and they could lose the Spirit. The Spirit came upon Saul. The Spirit lifted from him. And he was ended up filled filled with a demonic spirit. The Spirit came upon David. And when David sinned with Bathsheba and, and had her husband killed, he wrote in Psalms, he said, Please do not take your Holy Spirit from me. The Spirit could come. The Spirit could lift. He says, the Spirit abides with you. But now, he says, and the Spirit will be in you. There is a change that's going to occur where the Spirit actually is in them and becomes part of their life. And this happens in the life of the believer. And so, he says, uh, um, he couples this very closely to acts of obedience. He says, before He even institutes this in verse 16, He says in verse 15, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. There is no way around this. If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. Jesus equates loving Him with keeping His commandments. There's about 150 commandments in the New Testament. He said, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. We are not under the law. We are under grace. He gives us His grace. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You can't get away from that in the scriptures. Again and again, Jesus says this. And he goes on further down and he says something very similar. He speaks about this obedience. if you look in verse 21, he says, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. You cannot know his commandments without reading the scriptures. This is not something that is just going to come into your head. You must understand the Scriptures. He says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. So Jesus gauges our love for him by the keeping of commandments. And then he says, And he who loves me will be loved by my Father also, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. Jump down to verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love Him, and we will come to Him and make our abode with Him. How many times would you like Him to say it? How many times must He say it? Are we going to agree that, yes indeed, Jesus is saying, love for Him is correlated with the keeping of His commandments. This is what He says over and over again. If anyone loves Me, in verse 23, He will keep my word. And my Father will love Him, and we will come and make our abode with Him. Do you see the depth of this? You want the fellowship of Jesus Christ and the Father? The fellowship of Jesus Christ and the Father comes through obedience to His commandments. Now, there is a spirit that comes upon a person on the day of salvation. And this is clear. So, so if we look, for example, what I want to do is I want to, I want to start... By looking in Luke chapter 11. Look in Luke chapter 11. And Jesus puts it this way, starting in in verse 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 11. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he's asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Jesus said, To those who ask for the Holy Spirit will receive the Holy Spirit. You see, it is not something that's magical. He says, If you ask for the Holy Spirit, you'll receive Him. Just as a good father would do. You ask Him for something, He will give it. That's what Jesus says. Now I want you to look in... in, uh, Let's start tracking this and following this. In, in, um, in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start following along and seeing the coming of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start reading from the beginning. But let me now preface this first with a story so you see where I'm coming from, because this is so often one of the most confusing things to young people, and this is because old people are conflicted on this. Some people say that when you get saved at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit fills you. When you accept Jesus into, the, into your life, you get the Holy Spirit. Other people say you pray to God, you receive salvation, and at some later point, that later point might be three seconds later, that later point might be years later, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it's at that point that you get the Holy Spirit. There is one camp that says you get the Holy Spirit as soon as you are saved. There is another camp that says you get the Holy Spirit at some later date. Have you ever heard people from one or the other of those camps that is totally fixed in their ways on that? Has this never been a problem for people where they hear these conflicting views and am I the only one that's, that, that's, that's been hit from both sides with this? Alright, so this is a common thing. If it hasn't yet hit you, it will. So be prepared. The thing is that you have these two camps and never the twain shall meet. They are firm in this. And this is, you know, something that is so strong to them. And then what happens is, a young person is coming into the Lord and so excited by, at the, by the Lord and they meet one person from one camp. They say, that sounds good. I'll walk in that. And then they meet another person from the other camp. And they're like, uh-oh. I said I'd walk in the other way. And they're torn apart. When I got really turned on for the Lord, I started attending a Bible church in, in New York State at, at Syracuse University. And, and uh, we never talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit coming at a, at a later time. When I received the Lord and I was walking with the Lord and I was I was excited about the Lord and I was serving the Lord, I was doing door-to-door evangelism as an undergraduate. Very excited about the Lord. I was praying long prayer times. I was praying three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. As an undergraduate, really excited about the Lord. Then, when I was getting ready to go to graduate school, I knew that being part of a local church was very important. My church life as an undergrad was very important to me. And I was praying that God would lead me to the right church. And I was praying with the other people in the church about this, because they cared about me, I cared about them, and we'd share our prayer requests. On Friday night prayer meetings, we'd get together and pray. That summer, before I went to graduate school, as I was praying, Lord, lead me to the right church, that summer... I was praying, Lord, I pray that, that you'd make it clear to me, the church that you have for me. And then what happened was, I received a newspaper, was mailed to me by Purdue University, where I was going to go to graduate school, and it, I was just looking through the paper, and I saw this ad, it said, Upper Room Fellowship, come fellowship with us. And, and I, was, I was moved by this. Well, okay, I'll check it out when I get there. Well, I arrived there on a Saturday night, I returned the rental car to the Purdue University Airport where there was a rental car place and I walked back to the graduate dormitory that I was living in. I wasn't yet married. And as I got there, I saw a sign and it said Upper Room Christian Fellowship. Come fellowship with us. I said, hey, that's the place where I saw in the paper. So I went up there and it turned out to be a charismatic fellowship, not a Bible church, but I didn't know the difference. Nobody had warned me in the Bible church, well, you know, there, there is another group here. Just We, we loved everyone. And so I attended this church, and and you know, had great worship. And I mean, the charismatic fellowship, will, you know, they'll win hands down when it comes to singing over a Bible church. And and uh, is, is that right, music people? That is true, right? It's it's, 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 it's an accurate observation in most cases. And so uh, I was praying all week, and I said, Lord, I'll go back to that church one more time. But unless you speak to me clearly. I won't go after this week, I'll go and look around for another church. And I opened my scriptures, and this is the way that I was taught to hear from God. And I started reading from where I left off the day before, because I read from Genesis to Revelation, I was in Matthew. And it said, and as I started to read, it said, Go, and a man shall show you an upper room, and there have the Passover feast. And as I read that, then, boom, the, the, the peace of God started filling the room. And this is how I was taught. When the Lord speaks to you through the Scriptures, the peace of God will fill your heart. And it was just filling my heart, and I was rejoicing. The Lord spoke to me like this. As I started attending the upper room, they were convinced that I didn't have the Spirit. And I thought, wow, I've got to get the Spirit then. And so they came around me, and they prayed for me, and they were convinced I had the Spirit at this point. So so they, they, you know, I, I got the Spirit. Then when I went back to visit back in Syracuse, I told my pastor, I said, you know, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. He said, You what? He says, Jim, you've always had the spirit. Those folks, they're just not deep in their faith, you know, they just, just. And so I thought, Have I been deceived? Or has this group deceived me? And here was a guy who was very excited about the Lord, and I was conflicted because two groups that I loved dearly, and the pastor in New York said, don't even bother going back to that church. I thought, how could I do that? I've been going there for several months. My friends are there. Then I told him how the Lord spoke to me that morning, and he knew enough about hearing the voice of God. He said, if God did that to you, you keep going. He says, God has spoken to you. You keep going. And and uh, and here was this poor kid caught in the middle of this. This happens a lot to people. Has anybody ever been caught in the middle like this? I'm, I'm still in the part where you're only seeing one side. Okay, all right. So you're still you you're caught on one side. Okay. So now half of my married life. So I've been married 33 years. Half of our married life we've been in charismatic churches. Half of our married lives we have not been in charismatic churches, and we've never left the church unless we've moved from the town. This church is not a charismatic church in that sense, but it is welcoming to, to folks, but you don't see the charismatic expression per se here in this church. I've learned to function and to be right down the middle and to love everybody. Jesus said, if, if you want the Spirit, just ask them. If it's a question, just ask them. If it's not a question, fine. But you want more power, Lord, fill me with more power. I am praying all the time, Lord. Fill me to overflowing with your spirit and let it come out. And you go, ah, uh, theologically, is that okay? If you have the spirit, it's total. Lord, I don't know. Just fill me to overflowing. Because so many people who say that they have the spirit and they've been baptized in the spirit, they do nothing. They do nothing. I don't want that. I want to be overflowing in the spirit. Whatever camp you are from, I love you. And I can work with you and get excited with you, Peter. Jesus pulled Peter aside and he said, "Whatever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." And he said, "You, Simon Barjona, upon this church, upon you I'm going to build this church." And and uh, um, and so. There was something that interesting that occurred. Look on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and, they were, and, and, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Who there asked for the Holy Spirit to hit them? Nobody. Boom, it hit. It. Did you know God can bring the Spirit just whenever He wants? He doesn't have to wait for you to ask. They didn't ask because Jesus already said, I'm going to ask, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon them. Jesus had done the asking, and now the Holy Spirit came. They didn't ask for it. The Holy Spirit came upon the Jews in that instance. Peter was there. Never again was Peter going to be required for a Jew to get hit with the Holy Spirit. In this case, Peter was there. Now, let's look. let's look in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, what you're going to see is you're going to see when because this, it says you take the Gospel to the Jew first, then to the Samaritan, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth, meaning the Gentiles. Acts chapter 8, the Spirit comes to the Samaritans and so this Samaritan town receives the Lord but the spirit had not yet fallen on them. So in Acts chapter 8 verse 14, now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria received the word of God, they sent them from they sent them Peter and John and who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the holy spirit, for they had not for he had not yet fallen upon them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this authority as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought that you could obtain the gifts of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours, and pray that the Lord, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. So, here the Gentiles received the word of the Lord. In Jerusalem, they hear about it. They hadn't yet received the Spirit. Peter goes. Peter John goes. Peter prays for them. Boom! They receive the Holy Spirit. Do you understand how an entire camp could look at this scripture and could say that the Spirit comes as a second event? We have to all concede that one could see this and see that the Spirit comes as a second event. If you read... That scripture, if you just only focus on that scripture, you would say the, script, the, the Spirit has come as a second event. Let's look when the Spirit comes to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. So in Acts chapter 8, we saw it came to the Samaritans. Peter specifically prayed, and the Spirit came upon them. Now in Acts chapter 10, Peter is preaching to the Samaritans. And, and as Peter is preaching to the Samaritans, and we're going to go down to verse... Uh, 44, let's start at verse 42, Acts chapter 10, verse 42. So he's speaking now to the Gentiles, he's speaking now to the Gentiles, and he's preaching to them. This is Peter, preaching to the Gentiles. Verse 42 of Acts chapter 10, and he ordered us to preach to the people, and solemnly to testify that this is the one who had been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead, of him all the prophets bear witness, that through his name everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on them, on all those who were listening to the message. And all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? Now, who asked for the Holy Spirit in this instance? Nobody. Peter was preaching and then all of a sudden, boom! He wasn't preaching about receiving the Holy Spirit. We know his exact words. It says it right here. He says, of of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. That's what he said. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on them. Nobody asked. God just, boom, visited the Gentiles. Peter was there. Now, the one camp says Peter was there at each instant where first the Jews, then the Samaritans, then the Gentiles received the Lord. It was Peter when he said that what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, that Peter opened the door. After that, Peter was never required for people to receive the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul did it in one case. But after that, you never see again, except in Acts chapter 19, in one case, when people receive the Lord, does the Holy Spirit come on a separate occasion, except in Acts chapter 19, on one occasion. Other than that, you don't see it. So do you understand how the first camp... Let, let's, let's take a look at that. T- turn, to, uh, turn to the Ethiopian eunuch. Turn back to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, Peter's not around. And we're going to start reading in Acts chapter 8 from verse 34. Acts chapter 8, verse 34. Let's start reading verse 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he got up and he went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch of, of the court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge of all her treasures and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. So there was an Ethiopian who was a Jew. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. If you go to Israel today, you will see many Africans from Ethiopia who have immigrated to Israel because they are Jewish. From the time of, 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 uh, um, from the time of, of King Solomon when, when he was visited by the Queen of Ethiopia. Judaism came even to Ethiopia. They have immigrated back to Israel. To this day, you will see Africans as citizens of Israel from Ethiopia, predominantly from Ethiopia. This man was a Jew at this time, a Jew in the sense that he was following the ways of Israel. He may not have been a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he followed the Jewish practices. And, and so... It says that, that uh, um, this is who he met on the way. But he was a very high official. And he was going back and he says in verse 28, as he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So remember, this is a rich guy. He's sitting in the back of the chariot. Somebody else is driving this. So he's a rich guy. Then, Peter said, then the Spirit said to Peter, get up and join this chariot. So Peter said to Philip, Philip ran up, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. And then it talks about the portion that he was reading from Isaiah 53. And then in verse 34, the eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from the scriptures, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. It, you may. And he answered and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch... Uh, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing, and Phil- Philip found himself in Estosis And then he, then he moves on to the city of Caesarea, which we know 20 years later in the book of Acts, he's still living there. So, Philip comes, and he preaches to this guy. This guy gets saved, gets baptized. We don't see any spirit coming as a second event. We don't see any tongues. So do you... Concede from this portion how a group might say you don't. It doesn't come as a separate event. You see that 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 a, that a whole group of people. There are numerous events where people come to the Lord in the Scriptures, and you don't see the baptism and the Holy Spirit as a second event. There are several occasions where you see it where the baptism comes as a second event. So, do you understand that there are two groups that might hold on to one and not the other, or the other and not the one? You see both in the scriptures. The one group explains it by saying Peter was there in every case. And as soon as Peter opened the door for the Jews, he never had to be there again for the baptism to hit the Jewish nation. Then he didn't have to be there again after Samaritans. He didn't have to be there again after the first time it hit the Gentiles. The door was open, which is a logical argument. The other group will say, no, 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 that's, that's not the case. Clearly the baptism of the Spirit comes as a second event. I get along with both groups. You believe whatever you want. If you feel you need more of the Holy Spirit overflowing in you, do what I do, pray all the time. Lord, fill me so that it's not just in me, but overflowing. Fill me to overflowing. What I want to say about this is I want you to, to don't cheapen it. So if, you, if, if to you, the this, this Spirit residing within you is just so precious, don't cheapen it. And by this, this is what I mean. There is a depth that comes in the knowledge of the Spirit. And to walk around flippantly and say, well, the Spirit told me to do this, the Spirit told me to do that, the Spirit told me to do this. Maybe He did. I can't be your judge. But just remember, if the Spirit really told you that, He will not tell you something else the day later. And this is what I see often in young people. Well, the Spirit told me to do this. And once the Holy Spirit has told them to do this, it is beyond counsel. I cannot counsel you. Who am I to come against the Holy Spirit? I have had people... We were in a prayer meeting once and one young guy is talking about this girl that he's thinking of dating and she's not a believer, he doesn't know what to do. And another young guy, we were in prayer, he says, I just feel the Holy Spirit saying, go for it. <laughs> well, the Holy Spirit has just violated now the Word of God. You see what I mean? So people can get a view and just... just this is what the Spirit tells me. I was once counseling a young man of, about his occupation. He said, well, the Lord told me that I, I should, I should uh, uh, quit school and I should get this job. I said, well, if the Lord told you that, there is nothing that I can say. What can I say against this? If the Lord has said this, I can't say anything. I think it would be much better, and it is a much more mature thing. This is what I mean, don't cheapen it. If you sense the Lord saying something to you, say... I get an impression on my heart that maybe I should do this. You, you, you see what I mean? That, that I had this thought. Or maybe the Lord is telling me this. Maybe the Lord is saying this to me. Rather than, thus saith the Lord, the Spirit told me to do this. Because you will find people who say this often, they change every day. The Lord is telling them something diametrically opposed to what He told them the day before. And this young man, after we got done counseling, He ended up not taking that job and staying in school. You know, so maybe God changed his mind? The Bible says God doesn't change his mind. That's what I mean, don't cheapen it. On the other side, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. God has placed His Spirit. He has available to us His Spirit. Don't ignore it. Lord, speak to me through the Scriptures. Lord, speak to me. Lord, give me discernment, I pray Thee. This thing of, oh, God told me this, God told me that. Then what's, what's in seeking? Jesus said, when you seek, you find. Why do you even have to seek? If the Lord just, boom, 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 boom. Your, 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 your neurons are just firing and every fire is a new word. But don't ignore it either. Because the Spirit has so much for us. It is a deep thing. First Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. Look how the gospel came. It didn't come just in word. It came in power and in the Holy Spirit. There is power. If you just say, well, I was baptized in the Spirit, therefore, you'll boom, 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 and you start just go firing with both barrels every direction. There is an immaturity in that, that you take a person who has a huge impact in their lives. They have spent days, weeks, months, hours, years, decades at the feet of Jesus, meditating on the Word of God. And they take this Word of God seriously. And they have been through trials. They have had struggles, internal struggles of heart. They have gone through bouts of depression and come through it with the Lord. And there is a firmness. He says, our word came to you in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. There is a depth that comes in knowing God. And it's not something that just comes. You don't get that depth by just saying, somebody prayed for me and I received the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues. That doesn't give you the death. The death comes. Jesus said, You keep my commandments and my Father will love you and we will come and we will make our abode with you. Then you're really going to experience this power and it's going to come with full conviction. But the conviction does not come without being alone in prayer before God. You give me a man who spends time before God in prayer every day and I'll show you a man with power. You give me a person who says I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'll give you a person who is very superficial when they start speaking. Really superficial in their thought and boom! The next day they're all depressed about something and you wonder if they're even believers. He has for us a depth of the Spirit. It is real. But don't cheapen it, nor ignore it. It is real. He says, we came to you in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be. You don't prove to be just by walking in and giving a message. You prove to be by living among them. You prove to be by your acts of service. You prove to be by your dedication, by your devotion. You show me a person that will spend years and years before God on their knees saying, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me through the Scriptures and I'll show you somebody with power. It is different. Don't cheapen the Holy Spirit. It comes with power and with full conviction and with the Word of God. That's how He speaks to us. It is a deep thing. And then you keep His commandments. And He will love you. And Jesus and His Father will make their abode with you. And there, there is power. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your Word, for the truth of it. Lord, thank You for the truth of the Scriptures. I pray, Lord, for these young people that You would cause them to go deep and keep Your commandments. Father, that they would walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and not cheapen it. That they would walk in the power of Your Word. Father, that they would dedicate their lives to taking the Scriptures and saying, Lord, speak to me. Fill me and use me. Father, prove them, I pray. And I know, Lord, the proving will not come without tribulations. Prove them, O Lord, I pray. Bring them through whatever in life is needed to increase the depth of their understanding. Let them be proven, O Lord, I pray. Father, for those here who do not know You, I pray, O Lord, that this day they would give their hearts to You. That they would say, Lord Jesus, forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life. Forgive me, Father, that they would know what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be drawn and wooed by the Spirit into a greater depth in Your Word. Save their souls, I pray. Let them not go another day without receiving You. Father, thank You for Your blessed Word. In the name of Jesus, Amen.